Today we talk about the Al-Qaeda leader who was killed by a drone strike, which is good for the war on terror. However, he was apparently in Afghanistan, which is bad because we left there in a hurry, and apparently he was just living the high life in a nice place in downtown Kabul. Then we move back to America, where we find out that school lunch ladies may be out of a job because the Biden administration is going to stop funding school lunches for needy children if the schools don't let boys into the girls' locker room. In other school news, a Christian university on the West Coast is under investigation because they are Christian, and marriage is between a man and a woman, being Christian. And so they won't, this university won't hire those that disagree with this basic Bible teaching that the church has held for 2,000 years. And finally, we get to an ex-worship leader, ex-Christian guy, I guess, who helps us find God and Christ or something through, well, magic mushrooms. I know, that sounds ridiculous, but we do have to talk about it, and there is a good reason. And apparently, this is where we are as a society. So, I'm Matt Odegaard, and this is Church Public. Welcome back to Church Public. I am Matt Odegaard, and I'm glad that you joined me here today. There's a lot going on around the world, and I want to help you make sense of it and look at the current events from a Christian perspective, because it helps us understand how to be in the world, but not of the world, if we understand who Christ is. So, if you haven't already, feel free to like and subscribe. You can always go to churchpublic.com. If you are listening on audio, I really appreciate you. If you want to listen, if you want to watch on video, is what I mean to say, you can go to churchpublic.com slash podcast, and I will meet you there. Otherwise, I appreciate all of your support. I am going to be changing my schedule a little bit in how often and when I put these podcasts out, but I'll continue to do it as much as I can. All right, let's get to some events. All right, so in international news, uh, the terrorist leader, Al-Zawahiri, was killed by a drone strike. And that's a good thing, because he was the head of Al-Qaeda, the terrorist organization, the terrorist organization that was responsible for the attack on 9-11, the attack on the Twin Towers, the attack on America. Uh, at least he's the current one of uh, the current leader of Al-Qaeda after we killed Osama bin Laden a few years ago. The only problem is that he was in Afghanistan. You know, Afghanistan, where we went in decades ago after the war on terror to stop terrorists and terrorism the world over. And functionally, we did that. America stopped terrorism, at least from Afghanistan and the surrounding regions. That is, until the latest administration left in a hurry and the Taliban took over. And the Taliban took over. And the Taliban took over. They killed Christians, they enslaved women, and now apparently we're learning that they welcomed the leader of Al-Qaeda back. Again. Because Afghanistan is the place where the 9-11 attacks were originated from. And this terrorist leader was not living in a slum. He was apparently living in a really rich and nice area of Kabul, just in downtown. And he apparently would sit on the balcony a bunch. So the forces of America sent a drone and took care of him. And that's great. It's good news that this evil world leader is gone. But we have to look and say, well, the Taliban told us very clearly they would not allow terrorists back in. Well, they did. And I found it today. Apparently they did after just a few days from America leaving the region. So, yes, it is good that the leader of the largest terror organization in the world is dead. But he would not have been in Afghanistan if we didn't hastily and terribly pull out of that country. 
by the way, leaving all of our military equipment behind. And don't forget the Americans that were stranded there for months and months and months, and the really poor women who are currently abused there, and the Christians who are currently killed there. Just a reminder, the United States Commission of International Religious Freedom has posted that the Christians in Afghanistan are in extreme danger. Their highest level of danger, they have said, is the place for Christians in Afghanistan. And Afghanistan, according to the Open Doors World Watch List, has just been named the second worst country in the world for Christians, only behind North Korea. You know, China used to be really bad, and it still is really bad. There are other places that are really, really bad for Christians in the world, but Afghanistan now is number two. This is based on Muslim laws that the Taliban follow and others in the region also follow. That apostasy or leaving the Islamic faith or not having an Islamic faith is punishable by death, period. Well, I know that it got really dark, but it's important for us to know what is happening around the world. It's important to understand these current events from a Christian perspective. And it's important for us to pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan and other places of the world where they're terribly persecuted for their faith. So now let's come back to America and see what is going on here. And let's talk about school lunches. I know that was probably a terrible segue, but we have to talk about school lunches because more than 20, I believe it's 22 at this point, it might even be 23, but more than 20 state attorneys general have filed a lawsuit against the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the USDA, for threatening to withhold funds for the National School Lunch Program from schools that do not comply with the Biden administration's LGBT ideology. So again, there are programs um, that, and I have, I have relatives and friends who have been teachers in these programs that give lunches to children who don't otherwise have food. Uh, this is a really important thing. There are millions of children that need this food. But on May 5th, and I reported this way back then, but on May 5th, the USDA, the Food and Nutrition Service, the FNS, announced its intention to interpret Title IX, saying the prohibition on the discrimination based on sex as discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. That's a huge change. It's one thing to prohibit discrimination based on sex. Again, male or women. And really, this is to protect women. Now, the administration is saying this also, in 1972 this was written, but it really means discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity, which these 22 states have said is a real big problem. So, this FNS administers, excuse me, administers the National School Lunch Program, which we just talked about. It provides, listen to these numbers, low-cost and free lunches to 29.6 million children, almost 30 million children, and around 100,000 public and nonprofit private schools, and that was only in 2019. It may be more than that now. 22 states have entered this lawsuit against the USDA. The lawsuit claims that the USDA's interpretation of Title IX would cause the plaintiff states to lose federal funding for the National School Lunch Program and the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP. Tennessee state law asserts that a student's gender for purposes of a participation in a public middle school or high school, interscholastic athletic activity or event must be determined by the student's sex at the time of the student's birth. In other words, if you are a girl, you are a girl. If you are a boy, you are a boy. The state law in Tennessee, for instance, provides a right of action against schools that permit a member of the opposite sex to enter a multi-occupant restroom or changing facility while other persons are present. 
right? So keep boys out of girls' locker rooms, in other words. <clears throat> so what the USDA has said instead is advancing the principles of getting rid of discrimination, like discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity, means you have to recognize LGBTQI+, that's their words, communities, and provide them with an avenue to grieve any discrimination they face. So what that means is, in other words, to get rid of some of the legalese and translate for you, if a boy who claims to be a girl is not allowed in the girl's bathroom or girl's locker room, for instance, or changing room or on the swim team, as we've seen in other places, the school will not receive money for the free lunches that they provide to those children who need them. And as I just mentioned in the numbers, that's millions upon millions of children that may not get lunches if boys are not allowed in girls' lunchrooms. This is a developing story, but it really could determine or could turn out to be a really big problem. All right, let's continue on in the school world where we go from there to the West Coast. A school called Seattle Pacific University is a Christian university, and they are now suing the state of Washington for their investigation into LGBT discrimination. What this story is all about is that Seattle Pacific University was accused, apparently, by the state attorney general, Bob Ferguson, investigating them for potential illegal discrimination excuse me over the university's refusal to hire lgbt applicants based on its statement of faith i can even read part of that statement of faith for you <clears throat> i think this is interesting because it basically makes sense they say at Seattle Pacific University, we seek to ground everything we do on the transforming gospel of Jesus Christ such a claim is both personal a commitment by each member of our community and institutional, a corporate aspiration that has guided the institution from its founding. Even while we celebrate the rich diversity of the church throughout the world, we anchor our faith in the person of Jesus Christ, the authority of Holy Scripture, the tradition of the Christian church throughout history. And I could go on and on. This statement goes literally on and on. But the point is this. They believe the Bible. They follow the Bible. They live according to the rules of the Bible. And one of the things that the Bible says is God created man, and then he created woman, and male and female, he created them. And Jesus, even in Matthew 19, reaffirms that marriage is between a husband and a wife. So Seattle Pacific University has said they're not going to hire people who don't agree with these basic biblical statements. Again, I'm holding a Bible here, if you're just listening. Just open it and read it. That's just what it says. You don't have to agree with it, but... Why would you want to go to a Christian university that believes the Bible and follows the Bible if you don't believe the Bible and don't follow the Bible? These types of issues just don't make sense to me. But what we're seeing here is the state persecuting this university because the state wants the university to be uh, secular and liberal, but the university is quite literally built on a foundation of faith in the Bible. That's the point of the university as mentioned in their statement of faith, which I just read to you. So, the university is countersuing the state, and in this 22-page complaint filed in the U.S. District Court in Tacoma, Washington, Seattle Pacific University said Ferguson, the attorney general, quote, is wielding state power to interfere with the religious beliefs of a religious university and a church whom he disagrees with, end quote. Right. It's clear this attorney general just does not want to have this Christian university do Christian things. This private evangelical Christian and Wesleyan institution is affiliated with the Free Methodist Church 
and enrolls around 3,500 students. The institution claims it adheres to the biblical definition of human sexuality. Because that's the Bible, as I just quoted for you. You can read it for yourself. It's really not difficult. Genesis 1, it's like the first few pages if you've got a Bible and you open it up. So, excuse me. Last year, Seattle Pacific University faced criticism after its board of trustees announced it would continue a hiring policy that prohibits hiring full-time faculty members who identify as LGBT. It does serve to note, and I want to point this out, that Ferguson, who is the Attorney General of Washington, is the same one who filed a lawsuit against the Christian florist who didn't want to make custom floral arrangements for a gay wedding because it went against her convictions. And since she was literally the only florist in the entire state of Washington, the poor couple did not get flowers. Well, actually, I might have added that part, and I don't think that last part happened. There are a ton of flowers and a ton of florists, but the Attorney General and this agenda, these activists, picked on this one Christian florist because, obviously, she was a Christian and had morals and standards and and stood for something biblical. The florist in this case actually ended up quitting the flower business after this whole lawsuit, and it seems like that's kind of the point. So it seems like this party of tolerance and acceptance is only tolerant and accepting if you adhere to all of their demands. If you have other morals, say, again, I'm holding the Bible, biblical morals, you're definitely going to be out of business, whether you're a florist or a pizza shop or a cake shop or maybe even a university, because it seems like that's what they're going after at this point. If you're a Christian, your authority comes literally from a higher power, in God, in Jesus, in Jesus, the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. The left really, really hates this. I've pointed this out again and again and again, but we have to understand this and we have to keep sight of this, that they really want to point you to secular liberalism or this LGBT ideology, this secular humanism. They want you to follow the state. They want you to follow something that is not Christ, because if you follow Christ, that means you're not following them and not respecting them as your ultimate authority. If you have another authority other than Christ, that is going to disrupt their very way of life. So you must disappear, either literally or figuratively, if you disagree. And speaking of disappearing, the ex-Christian singer and ex-worship leader, Gunger, I don't know how else to describe him. I mean, I I don't know exactly how he describes himself. Um, If you have been around Christian music for a while, you've probably heard of Gunger. You may have even sung some of the songs like Beautiful, uh, is it Beautiful Things, I think it was, or You Make Beautiful Things, which was an incredibly popular song several years ago in churches. And then I guess he decided that he didn't like churches anymore. I don't, I don't really know. I don't follow that much. But this video was trending. And this is a very profound video about why you have more success finding God when you use other substances. And, and this isn't a joke. And we need to talk about it. And the reason we need to talk about it is <clears throat> because I, I, this is not the only person that I've seen doing this. And it seems like this is a trend. It's a trend in the celebrity world. Seems to be a trend in just the general world that people think they can find God by creating these uh, these chemically enhanced situations and then they see God and everything. And uh, well, let me show you this clip and then we'll talk about why this is just not a great idea. You want to know something that helped me love Jesus a lot more? Magic mushrooms. Both in my own personal experience and so many people that I've seen now, plant medicines like psilocybin can be so effective at helping break out of negative, consistent thought patterns that keep us trapped. 
For a long time, I wasn't able to hear beauty anymore in things like the teachings of Jesus because they were so associated with some of the negative experiences I had had with you know, the empire that uses his name and some of his teachings to peddle shame and control. If you take mushrooms, you will go to hell. I don't think everybody should take mushrooms or anything, but if you are a person who gets stuck in thought loops, looking into some plant medicines may be an interesting uh, route for you to explore. Uh, <laughs> I, thought, I thought I was going to be able to respond to that, and I don't know if I can. Anyway, I, I will try to respond to that. So, so first of all, I'll just say, if the only way you can connect to God is through chemical experiences, then the God that you're connecting to, I can absolutely 100% guarantee you, is not the God of the Bible. It's not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and it's definitely not Jesus. You don't need substances to connect with Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, nobody comes to him but by me. Uh, that means he didn't say, nobody comes to God except through magic mushrooms. I mean, like, God is God, so he could have said something like that. He didn't. Uh, I know there's some religions that say that's the way, but but let's go ahead and say uh, no to that. That's that's not the way to find God. Yes, there is a spirit. Yes, you may feel the spirit. You may hear the spirit. But the spirit is confirmed through the scripture. And the spirit and the scripture never, and I'm going to be really strong on this, never disagree. The spirit of God and the scripture cannot disagree. By definition, by nature, the spirit of God and the scriptures cannot disagree. It's impossible because God is God and God does not change and God has attributes that are the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the true nature of God and scripture reinforces that over and over and over again. So if you have the feels and the sads because You've had a bad experience in church because, what did he say, the empire of Christianity or something like that? Uh, it's it's like Star Wars. Like the, the evil empire of Christianity in Star Wars has has attacked the rebel ships. I don't know. I'm going too far with this illusion. But but I guess that's how he views it. I don't know. But, but the reason, I'm not even just picking on this guy. Like it's sad to me that he feels like he needs mushrooms to connect with God. Like that, that honestly just makes me sad because you, you don't. You don't need that. Um, and, and yes, you may hear from the Spirit, you may feel the Spirit, you may feel the presence of the Spirit, but if that's the only thing, like there, I'm not, I'm not going to name the cult, but there's a cult that says the only way you can know the truth is to feel the literal burning in your chest. And if you feel the burning in your chest, you know that you're doing the right thing. That's, that's a bad determination because that could be like bad pizza, bad mustard, I mean, just stress, like burning in your chest is an indicator if you're doing the right thing. Like seriously, people, no, just no. That's the wrong way to go. That's the wrong thing. And that should be obvious. But apparently we don't know that and we need magic mushrooms to figure out our lives. So please, please, please don't listen to this. Don't do this. Like it's, ah, this is going to be hard. I'm going to lay this down again. Just read the Bible and do what it says. And and you know what? We're going to go to our verse of the day because our verse of the day is really important and this is going to land it for us. Verse of the day from Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith and not by sight. What does that mean? It means that our feelings are a terrible guide pretty much all of the time. Yes, feelings are important. You need to pay attention to your feelings. You need to understand your feelings. But feelings cannot guide you, especially feelings cannot guide you to God. Think about the last time you were feeling angry. 
Did you make great decisions? Did you treat everyone around you kindly? Or did you maybe, when you were really, really angry, do something you regretted? I think we probably all have that experience. Or when was the last time you were feeling hungry? I mean, if you, if you don't want to think about angry, when was the last time you were hungry? Did you make good decisions when you were hungry? Did you eat just the right amount? Did you eat too much? Did you eat the wrong things because you were just hungry and didn't make good decisions? I mean, that's a silly example, but it illustrates the point that using our feelings really does not get us to a desired outcome nearly any time. Sure, we do have feelings. They can be useful. I'm not saying ignore them. I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm not saying they're not helpful, but they really can be untrustworthy and more often than not lead us to really bad decisions. And the scriptures, again, back that up again and again and again. I could read you so many scriptures about how uh, how our feelings lead us astray. I, I mean, I literally have like four pages, five, seven like seven pages of scriptures about how our feelings lead us the wrong way. I'm not going to read all those to you because I don't want to waste your time, but you can look it up. Like, I'm I'm not making this up. Like, there are so many scriptures about how our feelings aren't great. I'll give you just a couple. Here's here's Judges. And Judges, it is what it sounds. It's talking about those that were the judges of Israel who tried to do the right thing, tried to lead people in the right way and judge people with uh, justice and righteousness. And in Judges 21-25, we hear it going the wrong way that every Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. In other words, I see the way that I want to do it and I just do it. Doesn't matter what anybody else is doing, doesn't matter what anybody else is thinking, like that is going by your feelings, not necessarily the facts of life. So today, don't trust in your feelings, don't take mushrooms, don't expect to find God through chemical experiences. Instead, just take your Bible and open it and, and read it and then just do what it says. If you don't know where to start in your Bible, I say this a lot, but if you don't know where to start, start in John. John's a great place to start. Or start in Luke and then read through to Acts. Like Those are some great places to hear about the story of Jesus, what Jesus has done. If you want a bigger challenge, go to Romans. Romans is a very challenging book. I've been a Christian literally my whole entire life, uh, at least functionally. That's a longer story that we don't have to get into right now, but I consistently read Romans and get more and more out of it. It is an incredibly challenging book. If you want another challenging book, try Hebrews. Hebrews is probably even more challenging than Romans because of what it brings to the table as far as who we are and who God is. Both of those are great, but if you don't want to challenge, you don't know where to start. John is an incredible place to start. It introduces the wonder, the beauty, the glory of who Jesus is. And Acts is a great place to read about the early church. Read those. Uh, if you don't even have a paper Bible, just look it up on your smart device and get a Bible app and read John, read Acts, and then just keep going through the New Testament. And then go back and read the Old Testament. It's kind of crazy some in some of those parts, but it'll help you get a picture for who God is and how consistent he is. That's about all I have to say about that for now. I just, I feel like I could go on for a long time and I'm starting to get preachy and I don't want to get too preachy on you, but I just want you to love Jesus with your heart and soul and mind and strength and all that you have and not lean on magic mushrooms, but instead lean on the great and powerful word of God, whom Jesus was the physical embodiment of. So that's about all I have for today for Church Public. I'm Ed Odegaard and I hope that you keep the faith.